Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Welcome to Out With Dan. Today, I'm talking to Jamie Bean about her novel, Untouched. Welcome, Jamie. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. This novel was so interesting and so fun to me. Can you give us a little elevator pitch on it? Tell us what it's about. Sure. Um, So it follows two graduate students, David and Marisol, as they travel to the middle of the Amazon rainforest in Peru with their professor to kind of wrap up their final graduate studies. Um, Once they get there, though, they realize things aren't quite going to go the way they had planned. Um, They end up in the search for a missing researcher, and then everything kind of goes awry um, (laughs) within the jungle. So without giving too much away. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. I think that the Amazon is such a unique creature in and of itself. It is certainly a, another character in your book. Uh, I did find it to be quite a love story in more ways than one. Uh, I found it to be sort of an environmental love story. Um, I think that, so do you find that that's sort of what you intended to do? It wasn't, surprisingly. Um, I am a pantser, so I I don't plot when I write. So I have no idea where I'm going at any point in time, um, which also translates into just my life in general. Um, But yeah, I originally wrote it from having traveled to the Amazon, to to the exact place in the book, actually, uh, just kind of throwing things out there, just wanting to document my experiences. And then I got maybe about halfway through the book and I was like, oh, I need to figure out <laughs> what this is about. And um, and yeah, it, it very quickly turned into um, more of a social commentary than I had initially intended. And I loved the way that it was going like that and ran with it. So. <laughs> well, I, I congratulate you on that. Oh, thank Let's you. Come- Let's come back to that. One of the things you were talking about, so we've got two graduate students who are going with their professor, Dr. Morrow, and Marisol and David are really quite different from each other. And yeah. yet we see, <laughs> we see the strengths of Marisol all the way through the book, but we really do see an enormous arc of David's character. He starts as someone who is very remote and shy. And then where does he go? Um, he finds his inner strength without having to change who he is, um, which I related to a lot when I was writing it as somebody who is shy and introverted and a bit of a loner um, who often gets thrown in with extroverts and everybody that kind of takes charge. Um, and so I, I like the idea of him discovering his strengths without having to compromise who he is and what he's all about. Well, we learn at towards the end of the book that he is so much more advanced than he gives himself credit for, especially like in his studies and his work. So he's he's already accomplished a lot of things that 
somebody who's in his position would not have finished already. And that was one thing to discover about him and to discover that while he was very introverted, he was also a very loving character who, who really finds his voice. And uh, did you discover his voice along the way or did you sort of have it plotted out in advance? I discovered it along the way. Um, I knew that I wanted him to have that growth um, because I kind of knew the end point that I wanted, but I didn't know how I was going to get there. And um, he kind of wrote himself as I was doing it. I, as I kept throwing problems at my characters, um, I found that he was the one that had the resources or the gut instinct to kind of jump in when it mattered. Um, cause if it doesn't matter, he was more than happy to hang back. But the minute anybody was in trouble or, uh, somebody needed his help, he was always the, the first one to jump into action and, um, kind of push his fears to the back a bit and yeah, discover that he can actually do all the things he doesn't think he can do. Um, which yeah. I thought was a very good thing. I, I found that he was very sure of himself, but wasn't aware that he was sure of himself which I, uh, I find that to be a unique situation. You know, I do find that with highly intelligent people, they often put that intelligence to the side because they know it's something that they already possess. Mm -hmm. So they don't have to run out in front of everybody else because they already that person. And that I really did feel like is what I saw in David. I felt like he was someone that was very, very smart and yet not, braggios about it is that the right way to say it so mm -hmm. yeah no i think so i think for him he just has a passion for learning and studying and the intellect and not necessarily um something that he even sees as a strength really mm -hmm. i i think that he just sees it as who he is and more of a flaw in himself than anything else which i really liked about his character was not having not being this egotistical, because uh, in the beginning he he does come off very egotistical and very spoiled, um, and it's very much he's a big masker. Um, so uh, I'm sure in hindsight I'm like, oh, there's a lot of neurodivergence there that I can relate to, <laughs> that I I put in there subconsciously. Um, but yeah, you can see him masking, and then that mask slowly lowering itself down as he gets comfortable. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I, I saw the exact same thing. And I and so sort of his opposite is Marisol. And she's someone that I adored from right at the get-go because she is sure of herself, but she's not cocky. And yeah. she's she's fun loving, you know, and she's she's not afraid. Um yet you see that she has vulnerabilities as well. So did is Marisol your best friend in life? Oh God, no. See, I, she's always like my least favorite character and it seems to be everybody's favorite character. So everybody that reads it always comes out like, oh, I love Marisol. Who's your favorite character? And I'm like, not Marisol. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I just needed that friction because mm -hmm. I, I am very often paired with very loud, brash, extroverted people. So she has my humor and my sarcasm and my fun side, um, but she is very much just a go-getter and pulling people out of their shells. And I'm going to make you have fun whether you like it or not. Um, but yeah, I needed 
somebody fun, but I didn't want your typical damsel in distress or the heroine who's I'm not like other girls, girl. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. yeah, trying to strike a balance between being fun-loving and confident, wickedly smart, and then also not being that, oh, I'm so different and unique. I'm Katniss Everdeen. You know, uh, <laughs> I have all these superpowers by the end of the book. And um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and then we have Ben, who sort of is what I might call the glue or the inside of the cookie. You know, he sort yeah. of holds everybody together. And um, was he fun to write? He was. I loved writing Ben. I loved writing Ben. I would like a Ben would be nice. Um, <laughs> I totally agree. Right. Yeah. Everybody needs, cause I wanted him to be kind of adorkable. So I wanted him to be cute and fun and handsome, but also really smart and have all of those qualities where you would look at him and think, Oh, he's going to be this like really tough mask, uh, you know, bro. And he ends up being, the complete opposite. Um, and they find out relatively quickly that he's kind of dorky and nerdy in the same way that uh, David is with intelligence mm -hmm. and Marisol is with intelligence, um, despite kind of the external. I wanted to kind of flip flip it on its head. I, I don't like having um, like love interests or things like that that fall into all of the same stereotypes. Um, yeah. I think so this is this is my opinion only, but I think oftentimes really intelligent people are often portrayed as having some big deficiency somewhere else. And mm -hmm. so it was really nice to see intelligence portrayed as humans with qualities both good and bad, but yet their intelligence was something that was a reward, something that obviously would have gotten them much further in their Amazon experience because mm -hmm. they weren't just a bump on the log. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wanted them to each be their own strong person, um, which hopefully that came across. But yeah, I, I didn't want anybody to fall by the wayside and I didn't want to choose. So even though David's the main character, mm -hmm. it's still not just David's story. I wanted everybody to be able to have relatively equal footing um, as their own people. I, and I think you accomplished that. And I, that was really rather interesting to me. So I do know from an off conversation that you are a zookeeper. Yes. Um, is that, and I just sort of made a face <laughs> when you weren't looking because I'm, I think that would be an interesting job. Is that an interesting job? It is. Um, it, you have to love it. It's one, it's a really hard physical job and you have to have a lot of passion for it. Um, but that's where, so much of my inspiration for things has come from. That's what sent me to the Amazon in the first place. Um, so yeah, I, I think everything I do will have some level of my career kind of emblazoned in it or buried in it somehow. Um, mix that's of the true. two maybe. So what was the impetus for going to the Amazon? Um, I originally have a background in working with primates and so I had found this uh, company, Amazonia Expeditions, for anybody looking to go and do the trip I did. Amazonia Expeditions, um, they were running this amazing ethical ecotourism company. And they kind of pitched it as being completely remote within the Amazon 
Um, it's set within a conservation area. It's like a million acres of conservation and wow. it has the highest um, biodiversity within the Amazon. So it had a gazillion primate species, bird species. And so I was like, well, that's where I'm going to go. Um, and especially being in the zoo field, it was important for me to go someplace that was very ethical in how they handled things where mm -hmm. they're not taking you to go feed monkeys. And, you know, you see so many people go on animal trips and they're, you know, just covered in animals. And that's just not a good way to do it. It's uh, not an ethical way to do it. <laughs> I agree because, you know, it's, well, it's not necessarily for me to agree, but I do agree because I think <laughs> it's, it is, it is very different when you're handed a bag of food and you feed an animal that may or may not be hungry, but will eat. So that really, I would assume that's cute, but it doesn't really give you much of an education. Whereas I would assume going to the Amazon as you did would have been an enormous education. Yeah, and they have a research lodge um, that's a little bit further in, so you can stay at the research lodge as well. And um, they have scientists come around. They do um, conferences and workshops, and the staff are all local. Um, and so everybody that works there is from the rainforest region. Okay. So um, they know everything about everything. And I <laughs> was obsessed. I was like, I, I have to do that. And so Ben got a lot of my <laughs> passion in that. And he often talks about like, oh, I just want to be like in it and learn everything and uh, learn it from the people. And that's very much like my driving. So I have, so sometimes I'll listen to the sleep sounds and mm -hmm. the rainforest is one of them. Is the rainforest ever quiet? No, it is never quiet. Um, and that was one of the things I wanted to make sure I put in the book when things were uh, going to go south. It got mm -hmm. dead silent um, because if you are traveling anywhere where there's even just woods or forest, if you think about like hiking in your backyard or going hiking in a mountain, there's always something mm -hmm. making noise somewhere. Bugs, birds, um, all that. And the rainforest is riddled with insects and millions of birds and it's never ever, ever, ever quiet. So I assumed it wasn't. We had <laughs> here in the U.S. silence or especially overt silence often uh, is a weather predictor. Mm -hmm. If you've ever been in a hurricane or a tornado or an earthquake, it becomes deathly silent just before Mm -hmm. You have your episode, so to speak. Yes. That, was yeah. one of the, <laughs> that was one of the things that I definitely noticed about that you tapped into because there was, there was sound, obviously, and there was movement because there's all, almost always wind and even mm -hmm. that makes sound. So what I did want to come back to because it was something that I found to be so delicious was the fact that in what I am calling Jamie's love story of the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I, that the Amazon itself fought back. Mm -hmm. And as we treated, or as the characters treated nature, nature treated the characters. And I found that to be very interesting because it, as if you're a conservationist, you realize that if we keep depleting everything, there's going to be 
issues. There are already issues. That was one of the things that made it to me such a love story about the Amazon. Did you feel that same way about the Amazon and nature? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And when I first started getting ready to write Untouched after I've written a little bit, I actually got in touch with the owner of Amazonia Expeditions that um, founded the entire program and sat on the phone with him for about two hours and and discussed uh, the work and the livability and the remoteness um, because it truly is, I think he said there is only, he believes 1% of that million acres has anybody ever touched. And so Um. I was like, I just want to know what, like what could be behind, like if people never were there and people never touched it, what would be going on um and so in a way to kind of shoo people from oh let's go mow these trees down for palm oil and you know all these different things that you know one of these days nature might just be like hey i have to defend myself in some way shape or form so hopefully we turn that around (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think Mother Nature's already unleashing quite a few yes, things on yeah. us humans that we've happened to have caused. So. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> I think we're going to have to start a protest after our chat. Yeah, right. <laughs> Are you working on a new Amazonian novel? No, my next one is actually going to be a sci-fi thriller. Um, okay. So... Uh, a zookeeper in space, basically. Um, so I wanted it to be like a um, bit like Jurassic Park where it's genetic espionage. Um, so I wanted it to be uh, however long in the future, Earth is kind of kind of not doing so hot, um, <laughs> not too far from where we are. Um, and animals are becoming endangered, but we've colonized other planets. And so we're saving all of the endangered animals that we can to try to protect and conserve um, but there's still poachers out there and people still want to hunt them and breed them for show and uh, things like that. So that's mm-hmm. kind of kind of sort of what I'm working on. All right. That mm-hmm. sounds wonderful. Do you happen to have a website or social media you would like to share? I do. Um, I have a website, jamiebeanauthor.com. And then my social media handles for just about every social media you could think of is at jamiebeanauthor. Lovely, lovely. Again, the book is Untouched. I'm so bad at the camera angle. (laughs) Thank you, Jamie, for being with me today. I enjoyed the book and I enjoyed our chat very much. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Hang on just a moment. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out with Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com on Twitter at OutWithDan, and on Instagram and Facebook at GoOutWithDan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out With Dan.